0: We good? I mean, we just saying you are good, but are you good? Okay, it's good to see your faces. Stay standing for just a moment. Let us welcome the plaza location right now. We love you so much. Everybody online and a super robust, we love you. Welcome to the men of Lansing Correctional Facility. You guys are amazing. We love to be linking up all together and stay standing because if you were not here last week first and foremost you were missed but secondly you missed some big news as of last week we are now owners of our new building for the south location come on kingdom city church let's glorify god for a moment how good is that what an amazing future in front of us we believe the kingdom of god demands us to occupy more space so we're creating more places and opportunities for people to know jesus We believe here at Kingdom City Church, we are building people that bring heaven to earth. We're building families that bring heaven to earth. We're building leaders that bring heaven to earth. We're bringing children to bring bring heaven to earth. And when it feels like all hell is breaking out in our world, how many know we keep reaching people, we keep building people, because heaven's help is on its way, amen? So thank you so much for the prayer, for the support, for all of us, the patience it took, but we now own that space. That's step one. Step one is a significant one. It deserves a celebration. Also deserves a preparation for step two when we're gonna build that thing out. And we're gonna build it out beautiful and amazing, but we know it's not the space that matters, it's what happens in that space. And what happens in that space, our lives are gonna be forever transformed. Eternities will be forever changed. Marriages will be forever strengthened. And God's plan in Kansas City and beyond is moving forward in Jesus' name. Can we pray for it together? As we get our hearts ready to hear the word, Father God, I thank you for everyone on the Plaza Online, the men at Lansing, the men and women in the room here up north. We need you. We are fully dependent on you. We take a moment just to get our hearts ready for what you want to do. We celebrate the opportunity, your provision, for us to own a new building as a church. That's no small thing. But the most important thing is that we continue to walk in step with your favor to fulfill the purpose of heaven on our individual lives and the purpose of heaven on this church's future. So God, we invite your plan to prevail. We thank you as we pray over the kids and the the, the teachers and the leaders in our city, as we pray over the families this, this weekend, God, that you would do something special, something significant. I pray generational breakthrough. I pray generational peace. I pray generational promotion over the families of Kingdom City Church, and everywhere we go, heaven's following with us. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a big, loud amen? Amen, amen. Amen. You can grab your seats. Thank you, worship team. Awesome. We're declaring kingdom come. You know one of the things I've been talking about this year, God really pressed on my heart at the beginning of the year, is that we're building a 100-year-old church. We're a 100-year-old church in the making. We're just over a decade in and what an amazing foundation for our future. But part of building a 100-year-old church means that we're not just thinking about ourselves. We're actually thinking about those that follow after us. Hey, you might be single, you might be young, in the room, or, uh, on the plaza or online right now, but the truth is, the more you get your eyes off of yourself, the more God normally blesses you in that moment when you start thinking about the long run. And so when we're building a 100-year-old church, we're talking about our kids and our children's children, we're talking about those that they're going to impact. We're thinking bigger than ourselves. And in our Back to School Blessing Sunday, I wanna talk a little bit about generational gain. We're gonna make some gains generationally. That the church, by the church, I don't mean Kingdom City Church. I mean the people of God living for the purposes of God. We're not on the back foot. We're leading the church. We're leaning into everything that God's been wanting to do for all time, that it would happen in this time and in this place in our lifetime and beyond our lifetime. In the old Testament, you see this, this amazing cycle. It's actually almost like laughable how, how so many parts of the old Testament, in fact, the book of Chronicles and the book of Kings, it just lays out these lineage of the leaders and it talks about the Kings of Israel that some serve God, and some did not. That some did what was right and some did what was wrong. Some honored, some disobeyed. And the rise and fall of the nation was directly related to the the correlating heart of the leader. That, That if the king did well, there was help for the nation. If the king did poorly, there was hurt in the nation. Now we don't have an earthly king, we have a perfect king. In this new covenant, New Testament reality that we live in, we have Jesus at the helm. But the impact of our authority and our influence, spiritually speaking, still matters from one generation to the next. The Bible talks about this over and over again, that your life is bigger than you. It's bigger than your own needs. It's bigger than your own breakthrough. It's about what happens after you. Because God thinks and God builds generationally. Psalms 145 says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. There's a responsibility for our lives in this generation. The book of Acts echoes something that is stated in the Old Testament that David, who was one of those kings, who was not perfect, but David got it right. In the long run of his life, he got it right. And he left a lineage that was significant. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he owned his own generation. He fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors. It's there to say that before we pass away, there's an opportunity to own. That we can either regress or we can revive. We can either pull back or we can push on. We either enjoy the kingdom for ourselves, or we can find calling in this place and own the opportunity of our generation for those coming after us to go even farther than us. Before we pass away, we have a baton to pass on. So what are we passing on to our kids? Hey, you might be young, or maybe you just you don't have kids, or, or your kids are full grown. I'm speaking to the family of faith here today. As a church family, that every one of us are big brothers and big sisters, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas in God's house. Because what we're building is bigger than ourselves. And there is a blessing that God wants to bring through us owning the opportunity in our generation that outlives us. Because the way that you live and the way that you lead your life is greater, has a greater influence than you might know. We've got one shot in each and every one of our generations, each and every one of our moments but the difference you make will last longer than you. How do we make generational gain? Generational gain. Because I don't believe it matters what the climate of the world is. I mean, the climate of this world right now, it's crazy. It's chaos. We, We feel like it's heightened right now because of what the last few years have produced, but the truth is the world always been crazy since the fall of man. But here we are making our stand in our place to what do we not just want to be known for for ourselves, but what do we hold now that has uh, significance in the future of what is yet to come? So the climate of the world might be crazy, but the culture of the kingdom is, is significant. That we can gain ground when it feels like the world is falling apart. That we can go on to all that God has for us, for our families in this generation. You know, my family, thank you so much newly married man, newly married man. Everybody gaining ground getting married around here. So if you're single, you came to the right place. In my family, there's some hereditary traits, some genetic characteristics. My mom, uh, she had fiery red hair growing up and her genetics were strong, strong. (laughs) Myself and all three of my siblings Red hair, which means we spend a fortune every summer on sunscreen. My dad, he's competitive. And guess what? All of the siblings, we are competitive. On board games, my older brothers and older sister are very likely to cheat. Not me, because I'm a man of honor and integrity, but we're competitive. Uh, we're, We're church builders. We grew up, our parents are pastors, they're missionaries. In fact, both of my older brothers, I was texting them this morning, they're pastoring churches as well. In fact, I'm a third generation pastor. I call it a genetic disorder. So we're competitive and we're, we're preachers, we're pastors, which means prayer time at any given meal can become like a, a dueling battle between who can pray more fervently or poetically. Again, like on Thanksgiving, prayer could last all the way to Christmas Eve if we don't cut it off. But I grew up, my life was on the missions field, and and my life was always around church. And you might not have grown up like that. In fact, some of you, you're first-generation believers. I think what you do, and what you've decided to put Jesus first, is not just a great decision for yourself, because that's a decision that matters for all eternity, but you have actually set up the future of your family in the most uh, special and significant thing on the earth. Because what God cares about the most is people, and the way he reaches what he cares about the most people is through his kingdom, and the kingdom is represented through the church. So by being in church today, even as a first-generation believer, you're doing the most significant thing on the planet. You're making generational gain. You might not have grown up in it like I have, which has both its blessings and maybe cursings, but you're here now. And what will we do with the opportunity given to us here and now? How will we handle our faith so that those that come after us can go farther than us? So what do we start now that outlives us? What may be in your family, generationally speaking, needs to stop now so it never exists again? You might come from some family drama and you're in good company. First and foremost, all of, it have, all of us have it in some way, shape, or form. But even the heroes of the Bible had some family pains as well. For David there was a Solomon which was a blessing, but there was an Absalom that was a curse. The enemy would love to bring division in the unity of our family to try to stop the generational gain, but we at Kingdom City believe what we're a part of, the part we what we're a part of is bigger than the part we play. That our calling and destiny is so special and significant, but it's actually about the steps that we take so that others can go farther in the future God's designed for them. Because I mean just parenting? Parenting is hard. Just adulting is hard. But parenting is real hard. I mean, you have when you're newly wed or newly pregnant, and you're excited for your child, you've got all these plans and how you're going to raise and train them, and then they, they normally go out the window real quick. Maybe you could be idealistic and child number one, but child number two, it changes real quick. You know, there's people that say, I'm never gonna allow my kids to watch TV and have screen time. They have zero kids or just had one. Like they have a newborn. Cause I'm telling you, when that baby is crying and that other kid is not potty trained, like life comes at you real quick. You will bring in the recruits of Peppa Pig and the Paw Patrol. They're on a roll and they're there to help you get some peace in the moment. It's hard. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that it isn't so significant that it's worth the struggle. And if we're gonna make generational gain, there might sometimes, there might be some pain of sacrifice and surrender in order for God to do something that's bigger than you. And we will take new ground this semester, this year as a church. When we started out as a church, we didn't have any kids in kids' church. We were all kids. There were, we were in the hundreds of people and we were in the single digits of kids. But now, y'all growing up, y'all living right, y'all getting married, y'all figured out where babies come from, and we're becoming becoming a family church, which blesses my heart, and I think even most importantly, it blesses the heart of God, because we're doing something and building something that's bigger than ourselves. What does it mean to have a generational gain in your family? Let me define what I believe kingdom-minded leadership of family should look like I've heard it said, and it'll show up on the screen, that a parent's goal is not to graduate their kids out of the house, but to gradually transfer a child's dependence off of the parents until it rests solely on God. You're always a part of their life, but the greatest part you could ever give to them in your life is that they don't just one day rely on you to fix all their problems, but they're going to the ultimate problem, problem solver. They're going to their Savior. They're going to God. If we're going to make gains, we lead well now so that we can leave them so they can lead even better in the future. The Bible says that in Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God. God, Moses says, directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing in the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children, after them may fear, as the Amplified Bible says, in awe, in reverence, in worship to the Lord your God as long as you live. In other words, if you walk right and you lead right, you won't do it perfectly, but as long as you're alive, you have something to add that will outlive you maybe your family history, and maybe even your current status as a parent, even a single parent, or, or maybe you're struggling in life. Maybe there's been a deficit. I read this week, though, that in America, it was the, the children of the Great Depression that grew up to be called the greatest generation. Those that were born in poverty or in lack developed something stronger, that they won the World War, and they built the infrastructure of this nation and the the companies that moved things forward the scientists that that saw new ground, the people that went to the moon were born during the great depression so you can look around all the great like toxicity and and trials and struggles in our current world and even in our nation and they're worth addressing and praying for and participating and mending and healing but just know that our kids, they might be growing up in a chaotic world, but it's, when they learn to turn to Christ, they develop a character that those that come out of something great that could seem depressing can actually become the greatest generation. And that's what we're believing and declaring over our kids, that they are actually growing up not in a crazy world, but in a called world, in a world where they find the voice of heaven for themselves and they forge a future in God's kingdom that is so significant Let me give you two ways to achieve generational gain in your life. These are things I believe, just like Moses said, these are decrees and commandments. These are things I think you have to do if you wanna take new ground. And the first one, it seems like a no-brainer, but the wording of it is very specific to every individual. You have to grow your own love for God. I'll say it this way, do not settle for yesterday's surrender. Because some of you have been following Jesus or come from a family with a heritage of faith that you should thank God for. But you've kind of mailed it in when it comes to giving everything that you got to God because you've been following him a long time. And yes, the surrender of yesterday is significant for where you're at today, but we can still grow. How many know God is a God of faith to faith? He's a God of glory to glory. He's a God of strength to strength. And if you haven't been, right now, if you've ever been more passionate about Jesus than you are right now. That's got to change. We can grow still in our faith. In Deuteronomy, back to Deuteronomy, says, hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. you got to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. When Jesus was asked, what's the most significant thing you could ever do to please God? He started there. That before you want your parents or your, your kids to, to please God. Before you, you want your marriage to be pleasing to God, it's about your own individual decision that I've got to have a heart that's on fire for God. And then if I look back at my yesterday and there was a time I was in more anticipation of hearing God's voice, if there was a time I was more sacrificial and surrendered more for his kingdom, there was a time that I love people more because that's a direct correlation between how much your heart is filled with the love of God is how much you love people, then I need to get back to that place of more. I need to lean into that. Jesus, he, he writes a letter in the book of Revelation. He sends it through a messenger to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2. And he says, man, you're doing a lot of great stuff. Man, you are loving like the poor and you're, you're giving generously and you've been faithful. You've even endured under trials and attack. But, but even though you've got a lot of good things going, I got one thing that needs to change. Something in your heart is drifted something in your heart isn't as fervent as it was. He says you gotta return to your first love. If you want to change the life and lineage of your family, it starts with your own individual fire for God. If you wanna have a future for your children that's significant, it's not actually what you do for them directly, it's how you let God do something new in you that's significant and it matters. And it's not just to say it, you gotta show it. Write this down, I gotta put my love on display. I got to put my love on display. You know, I mean, you know, if you're really passionate about something, you talk about it. You are about it. Like if you've ever met a vegan, you know it. They'll tell you real quick. Why? They're passionate about it. In the same way, let me speak to all of us, particularly the men, particularly the fathers, that we need to put our love for God on display. We need some PDA when it comes to serving G-O-D. We, we need to worship with passion. Why well, I didn't grow up like that, I'm new to faith. Let's learn how to do it. Let's lean into it, and even in that moment of surrender, something significant happens, and we can't just do it in church. They need to see you worship God, and they need to see you pray, and need to see you open your Bible on home, at home, because why? That's a public display of an affection and a fervent heart after God. Do you love your kids? Of course you love your kids, but your kids have to know that you love God first and foremost because kids know when you fake it. I know when they're young, young, you can be like, I got your nose, and that works, but when you're fighting or at strife or you're stressed, they know it. In fact, if you ever fight with your spouse in front of your kids, you need to apologize in front of your kids. They need to see that mom and dad are not perfect, and the more you can tell them that, that's great, but guess what? They're going to figure it out but the more they know how you turn in your imperfections to a God who has never-ending grace for you, and he has your affection and your heart's attention. That's something significant that you're transferring. You're making generational gains. Proverbs 22, verse six says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. You know your heart by what you give your time and your talent and your treasure and your attention let Let's make sure our kids see us giving it to God and that we, we, we want them to win. And we need to get our kids, get their kids in the best school that you can and and tutor them the best that you can and I mean, get them winning in life. I love that. Like sports are uh, highly important. And it's fun for them to learn how to do well with others, how to win, how to lose, how to train, how to grow. But that's not everything in their life. In fact, there's a pandemic of parents in sports and kids in sports right now. Let me just give you something I read this week. There, there's a 0.7% that your, cha- your child will get any kind of scholarship for a- athletics at any level. Less than a one percentile. Now, that's not even division one, and that's not a full ride. That's just any help. So if your child's struggling right now and you are banking on them getting into college by their athletic ability, you need to start educating them more. There is a 0.0296% chance your child will ever become a professional athlete. There is a 100% chance that your child will one day stand before Jesus. And that is what matters the most. We have our kids in sports, and I'm fired up about it. If I ever got in trouble as your pastor that could cost me some shame in the court of public opinion, it would be what I would say to a referee. Because I'm a passion. I already told you I'm a I'm a competitive. How much more so for my kids. But we do one sport at a time. And if it takes us out of the house more than twice a week, that's too much for us. I want them to win, but I want them to win where it matters the most. And if they're not winning within, when it comes to intimacy with the Holy Spirit, a commitment to the Word of God, being built in God's house, it's just costing you too much because they will stand before Jesus one day. We want that day to be glorious. Why? Because we're making generational gains. Does God get your best? It starts with you. You gotta grow in your love of God. You gotta show them the love of God. And secondly, you gotta train them to love God too. We don't just demonstrate, we educate. What does it look like for them to love God? It's not, you're gonna love God or else. Although some of y'all moms and dads dragged their kids to church, and by the way, let me tell you, well done. I was dragged to church every day that ended in day, and here I am. Somehow it worked. It's not that, no, it's when you love them, listen, you love them well, and you love God openly they will want what you got. And guess what, the Bible says, start them off in the right way, it doesn't mean they're always gonna be in the right way. Some of y'all got some teenagers up in this church acting like a fool in their life right now, guess what? You started them right, we're gonna contend for the best, we're gonna pray, we're gonna encourage, we're gonna challenge some of the things, and in the long run, guess what, they're gonna be living right, they're gonna be fulfilling right, they're gonna be walking in righteousness, walking in the plan of heaven for their life. So just like you would celebrate them with the winning goal or touchdown or basket or an A plus on a difficult test, celebrate their God desires and heart after him. When they worship, celebrate it. When they know of a scripture, celebrate it. Why? Because what gets celebrated gets duplicated. And they are looking, whether they were wired on the inside to desire your approval. And when you approve the most, of their growth and character, how they relate to others, and their godly character when they do the right thing, even when it's difficult. When you celebrate that, it will get duplicated in their life. Some of you haven't done a great job at that. And your kids may be a little bit older. Guess what? Sit them down and apologize. Say, dad or mom didn't do the best job in getting you in church or or, or teaching you the ways of God. Guess what? I want to start now. I'm so proud of who you are, but I do think there's a, there's a path forward where you need more of God. Sometimes when we feel like we're behind, we wanna give up. I'm telling you, we got the God of all grace to help you make up the difference. For every mistake or missed opportunity of yesterday, God has a fresh new opportunity that starts right now. Back to Deuteronomy, it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. It's gotta be in your own heart first. Then we impress them on your children. We teach them. We talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. We even write them on the door frames of your house and of your gates. In fact, Jewish families to this day, they have a mezuzah. You might have seen it. It's a little scroll that's nailed into the doorway of their home. And although that's a natural thing, there's a supernatural truth to this, that when we frame our home life, When we frame our family with God's never failing word, we are setting up a culture and a future that has all of the help of heaven on the horizon. Why? We're framing our home life with God's word and God's faithfulness. We train them in the word. What's that look like? We train them to manage God's gifting in them because they are gifted and called. We train them to carefully select right friends like we talk about here, friends of their future. We train them to watch their words. We train them to be responsible. We train them to guard their minds and their hearts above all else, because out of it flows the issues of life. We train them to manage God's money well and to walk with generosity. We train them to honor God. And that's all in just one book of the Bible, the book of Proverbs. A couple weeks ago, we read through the book of Proverbs as a church, and you start reading it with your kids find a translation or a version that's applicable to their age and stage in life, and begin to just break down one verse a day, if you can, and begin to train them, because that training the Bible says, physical training or sports training has some benefit. But Paul writes that training in godliness, it matters for this life, and the life to come. In other words, it changes you now and changes forever. It helps you in the hard places of everyday life, and it helps you make a difference in eternity. We have to train them in the way they go. Part of training is correction. It's giving right form, doing it the right way. You could call it discipline. Godly discipline is correction. Listen, driven by love, driven by love that they have to have some correction in their life if they're gonna stay and go in the right direction in life. Listen to this, a child that that has not been disciplined with love in his or her little world will be disciplined without love in the great big world. If we don't love them while we've got them, love them enough to correct them, challenge them, shape them, discipline them in a place where they are loved, the world will be a lot harsher in the long run. Some of us found that out real quick when we got out of high school and went to college. That Not everyone is there to serve on you back your and call. Some of you found that out in your first job and career. You had all the excitement and ambition in the world, only to find out, man, people don't treat you right. So when we train them right when they're young, they go on to walk in righteousness when they're old. It's not that they won't have hardships when they're out of your home. They'll just have something Stronger, the help of heaven on their inside world so they can navigate this crazy world we live in and do it all for the glory of God and for the amazing eternal plan that he has destined them for. This is why we discipline because they have a destiny that is significant and it's right in front of them. So how do we do that? We don't do it in anger. It says we do it in love. Doesn't mean we're gonna get it right. I don't always get it right. I raise my voice sometimes in prayer. <laughs> no I don't get it right I let some stuff slide that shouldn't but over time I'm just trying to be careful to n- not discipline in anger but do it in love and if I'm angry in the moment I need to calm down and then I want to do it consistently not just when I'm having a bad day not just when they're pushing my buttons a little bit I want to do it consistently why because I want them to know this is not about what they just did right now in that moment it's about who God wants them to become in the moments that will matter the most hebrews 12 says my son do not take light of the lord's discipline and not lose heart when he rebukes you because the lord disciplines those he loves if some of you have ever felt the discipline of god lately guess what it's just because god loves you he loves you enough to not leave you alone allow you to go down a road that will not be the place of your purpose he loves you the same way we, if you love your kids you learn In unity with your spouse, with your family, how do we we discipline them in a way that they can fulfill destiny? I realize that some people in this room, some people on the plaza online, you were neglected. There was abuse in your home. Maybe you were over-disciplined or never disciplined. There was no life or joy or just allowed to do whatever you want. And because of that, you just feel like, ah, I don't quite know how to do it i tell you this, just because your parents might have gotten it wrong, you can get it right. I remember out of the Great Depression came the greatest generation. Out of the deficit can still come destiny. You are grace to grow in the ability to lead your life well and to lead your family into the future that God has designed for them. Because God wants you to leave them one day better off. Than they ever could have been if just left by themselves you get to lead them into the future and the purpose proverbs 19 discipline your son for in that there is hope do not be a willing party to his to his death it says in other words correction isn't something you do to your child it's something you do for their child something that might need to die now like rebellion that might need to die now why so they can thrive tomorrow well, some of the, the decisions they make, they need to be corrected now. Why? So they could be encouraged in the right things tomorrow. And some of us as parents, we've, we've missed it. Your kids have seen you mess up. Maybe your kids are even out of the house. Maybe they're not living right or following God. But even though you might have missed that season of leadership, I believe God is an absolute incredible restorer and redeemer, that we can get it right where it matters the most in the long haul. couple things we're gonna do we're gonna commit to pray if you're not praying over your kids where they can hear you pray over them you are missing a beautiful opportunity to show them that you know where your source and your strength comes from in Colossians 1 a spiritual father Paul says I'm praying and I'm not stopped praying for you his church his spiritual kids I pray for you and ask God to fill you not that you just get every answer from me your apostle but you'd get every answer you need from God your father And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord has called you to and that you may please him in every way. I pray consistently over our kids. They have the right friends and they make right decisions that even the Holy Spirit would correct them when I'm not around. Maybe you have kids that are far from God. We're gonna pray pray that they would awaken to righteousness and turn to God, that the goodness of God would draw them to repentance. And don't just pray one second thing. You gotta commit to the process. It's about doing it every day. It's about staying faithful to them every single day. It's about leaning in, doing your best every single day. The Bible says you'll get that harvest. You'll get that breakthrough. You'll get their hearts back. You'll get them in right alignment if you do not grow weary and give up. It says you will get weary in doing it. Just don't give up. Some of you do not give up. You have a kid who's full grown. They might have kids of their own, and they're far from God. I'm telling you, we're going to pray. We're going to trust the process. God is really good at saving souls and changing hearts, and he has not given up on them yet. Neither should you. Let's keep leaning in and contending for the great return. Why? We're making generational gain. Jesus tells that story of the prodigal son that wanders off, and yet there was a father. We don't know how he acted or behaved. We know that this this son, just disowned, dishonored, and And left. And in the detour of his life, eventually he found himself in a place of brokenness. But when the father saw him, it says in Luke 15, he was filled with compassion for him. In Luke 15, verse 20 says, While he was still a long way off, he was still way out there, but the father saw him. I'll tell you right now, God sees your kids, God sees your family, and God sees their future. And he knows how to bring it all around in a beautiful way, this tapestry of grace that draws them in to their divine purpose. He went looking. He didn't go running away looking. He was just ready for the opportunity. Just keep your eyes open. Be praying for God opportunities to speak life, to speak truth, to bring hope, to bring help. And God will make sure, I believe he'll make sure that that prayer gets answered. He saw them and was filled with compassion, verse 20 says, and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Third, you got to commit to passionately love them like I, i'm loving them no strings attached i might not love the way they're living or the way they're reacting or the way they're acting but i love i love them that's how god loves us it says in isaiah 30 the lord still waits for you to come to him so they can show his love and compassion how many grateful for a god that when it came to you, his love your heart towards him he was long-suffering He was willing to stick it out so that you could have a connection with him. It says, for the Lord is a faithful God. I got a fourth one that's not up on the screen. Commit to church. I am not saying this as a pastor. I am saying this as a father. I'm saying this as a teammate in ministry. We're one big family of faith. It's gonna take more than just you to launch your child and your children into the destinies. It takes a community. It takes friends of the future. Look around you, these are the aunts and uncles, big brothers, grandmas and grandpas, big sisters of your child's future. And it is significant. Commit to the church, plant your family in the faith, and you will make gains together. If you haven't gone through next steps, go. So it's, it is about church, but it's just a challenge for you to experience destiny for yourself and for others. This 100-year-old church is not gonna be built by me. It's by the grace of God and all of us together in community. Groups will launch soon. Youth group kicks back up in a couple weeks. More outreach than we've ever had on college campuses is coming. We're making a go. We're making uh, uh, raising up new leaders and hires for kids' church we're going all in on generations. We're gonna get younger than young. We started this church a bunch of 19, 21-year-olds. We're going for nine-year-olds, 12-year-olds. We're going younger because we're thinking longer. And if you're you're not connected, if you're not planted, you're missing the flourishing that God has for your family. Jesus was once, once he said, hey, if you wanna know who my real family is, it's these people that are doing the will of God. This is my brother, this is my sister, this is my, this is my mother, he says. It's in, it's in Matthew 12. It doesn't mean your own family, your genetic family, you kick them out. Not at all. It's just you're making a point that those that do the will of God are those that you want around. And we all have flaws, and we all have imperfections. That's why we all need grace. But we're growing in this thing called community, real Jesus-centered gospel community, and we're doing it together to make gains that are bigger than us why as a church we're taking new ground 90 years from now what if some of the fruit of your faith is still is still flourishing in this city what if what we planted I mean I think about right now we're in the north we have the house of hope that was planted by the plaza what does God want to plant south what does he want to do next well we can we do it one step at a time all by the leadership of the Holy Spirit but what we're doing now is bigger than us I saw already today the very first family to ever come to our church. They're at the 9 a.m. Plaza, very first family. I think about they went first. Now, look at all the families we have. Think about 20, 30 years from now, as you raise your kids up. I don't know about you, but when I see like a a bride walk down the aisle and do a lot of weddings, and uh, I just think about one day that's gonna be my daughter. I'm already a hot mess just thinking about it. But I think about, like, where do I want her to be then? What kind of woman do I want her to be? When my son takes his bride's hand, when he goes for his first job, what kind of man do I want him to be? I want him to be a man after God's own heart. And we together as fathers and mothers and leaders in this church and influencers in this church, if we can make some generational gains, the things that God will do in the long run of this church will absolutely blow your mind. I believe and declare, in fact, over all of our services today at both locations. The kids leaders are praying for every single kid, personally, and they're speaking words of affirmation, I think even prophetic words into their life about the future, not just this semester, but for the long run and the next season and the next season that God has for their life. We are leaning in and leveraging our life now for something in our lineage that will outlive us. On the plaza up north, can you guys stand to your feet? I wanna pray. I wanna pray over the parents pray over the teachers, pray over the educators. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for every heart, every life, for every family, every father, every mother, every educator, every leader in our city. I thank you that we all would live right now so that we leave a legacy that's bigger than us. I pray blessing and favor over every family, over every child in the mighty name of Jesus. Let this year in Kansas City schools, on both sides of the state line, in our private schools, in our charter schools, in our university, let it be filled with your grace. Holy Spirit, show up on every campus. Do what you've always wanted to do. Lord, help us as a church be, bring the change in our own life so that we would change to those coming after us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.